Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing Some Glad Morning. When this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is o'er. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. And when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, and what a day, glorious day that will be. Lord in heaven, we come before you and we thank you for each and every person that has come to worship you this morning. 
I pray that your spirit would move and stir us within our hearts and our lives. Draw us near to you that we might be conformable to your image. I pray that you would be with those who are working with the boys and girls down in the nursery and primary church and junior church. And be with us as we gather together in this sanctuary that we honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Well, there are several things in pastoring a church that are hard. And then there are some things that are just fun. And um, one of the things that's just really fun for me is baby dedications. You know, the moms and dads are beaming. The little babies are just cute as can be. So this morning we have a double baby dedication. Um, so if I could, I'd like to go ahead and see um, Kelsey and Jenny come up and Matthew and Anna. And of course, Matthew and Anna live far, far away, but the Boers have come home for baby dedication and of course to see their family. But Jenny and Kelsey, they're here all the time and we love that they're a part of our church all the time. And we've got Forrest and James. James is snuggled into dad, content and happy. And Forrest is like always just looking around, connected, checking it out. So I wanna start out by clarifying that this ceremony that we do as a church has nothing to do with Forrest or James's salvation. This is not somehow giving them an avenue into heaven, but rather we are simply following the biblical example given by Mary and Joseph when they dedicated the Lord Jesus at the temple in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. And we go into the scriptures and we draw from that and we practice them. We also learn in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, that they brought young children to Christ, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But Jesus said that he was, he said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little children, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. So the Lord embraced those babies and said, you know what? Their heart is so pure, that's what you and I need to strive towards in coming to Christ for forgiveness and cleansing from our sins. They are our example. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Mr. and Mrs. Dobson and Mr. and Mrs. Boer, in dedicating yourselves and your boys to the Lord, you enter into a solemn relationship with our God who keeps his covenants with all generations. This is a serious vow for which God will hold you personally responsible. I charge you in the presence of God in this congregation to teach your children to love and obey God and his word. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses five through seven says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul and with all thy might. And, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou lowest, layest down, and when you rise up. So he's really challenging you as moms and dads that throughout your whole day, of every week, of every month, of every year, all the years that you have to dedicate to those babies, you'll raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
And we must never forget that they're loaned to us for just such a short time. This little guy one day is going to come home to mom and dad and say, I've met this cutie and I'm leaving. And that's what's going to happen someday for you guys too. Just like you did with your parents. And your goal is to prepare them to live a godly and righteous life when they become adults. Is it your desire today to make a covenant with the Lord to raise Forrest and James in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Amen. At this time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over each couple and their baby. Lord in heaven, as we come before you, I pray that Forrest would be raised with that sincerity that I see in his mom and dad. I pray, Lord, that he would grow to know you, to love you, to faithfully worship you. But Lord, we know that takes committed and dedicated parents. I pray that you'd be with Kelsey and Jenny. Give them that wisdom and insight to raise Forrest to know and love you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Lord, we come with Matthew and Anna, and we lift up before you, James, this morning. Lord, what a precious gift. I pray that you would give James's parents that wisdom, that guidance, that they would know and love you, that they would worship you and serve you, that James might see and know what a godly life can bring about. Please protect them, watch over them. We praise you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I have for you a little dedication certificate that you can save and remember. Thank you very much. And Brother John's going to come back up and lead us in a couple more songs. Would you please stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Sing to the King and then open our eyes, Lord.
be seated. This morning, we have a special guest with us in church, uh, one of our missionaries that we have supported for years, Brother Lawrence Evans. He's a missionary to the Roma people, and he's going to explain to you what that is. But we have a little video clip. Am I correct? Why don't you come on up? You can introduce that. Tonight, Brother Lawrence is going to preach our evening service, so I want to challenge you to come back for that. And also, he is going to talk about Sally's Kitchen over in Romania. We invested in that years ago and other churches have invested in that. And he'll explain to you what Sally's Kitchen is, but tonight he's gonna to show a video about it. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pastor. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to be here. I, I appreciate you all for all that you do for missions work, amen. And uh, you know you're staying too little too long when you're starting to get mail at the church. <laughs> So, but anyways, it's a joy to be with y'all again. And uh, truly, I, I had a lot of rest being here. I'm, I've been out since uh, uh, about two months already on the road. And uh, I'll tell you the truth, I don't like being on the road. It's just, you know, and gypsies are known for being on the road, but not this gypsy. I just don't like it. But I wanted to report back to my supporting churches and just give them a highlight what's going on. And uh, you ever hear of that saying, out of sight, out of mind? Well, I needed to get inside a little bit, you know, so, but uh, we truly appreciate Pastor Taylor and the church here. You've been such a blessing to my gypsy people and also to me. What you're going to see uh, this morning is a presentation of, uh, of to when I go to raise support. It's a fairly new presentation and uh, you're going to see uh, what are gypsies, who are they and what they do. And you'll get a brief history, just a short history about the Roma people. The, the word really is the word Roma, and the very few people know that um, in the United States, everything else is derogatory, even gypsy is derogatory. You ever hear the word, uh, you gyp me? That comes from the word gypsy, because they're known to be thieves. So, but uh, anyways, uh, you're gonna see the work that you take part of. Uh, you may not be there physically, but you are there spiritually in prayer <clears throat> and also your finances. So you're going to see some of the work in, uh, in the United States. And also you'll see some of the work also in Europe uh, that we're able to reach the uh, Roma people with like faith, like faith churches like yours. So I hope it's a blessing. And of course, we'll be at the table. Any question you need to ask me, please don't hesitate. Thank you. Hello, my name is Walter Stevens, founder of Gypsy Outreach Ministries International and missionary to my own people, the Gypsies. I am also the president and founder of Roma Outreach Missions Association, an agency that is dedicated to reaching the Roma and other marginalized people groups all over the world. In 1990, led by the Blessed Holy Spirit, Driven with a passion for Christ and the Roma souls he died for, 
We pioneered the first outreach to the Gypsy people in Ohio at the Cleveland Baptist Church under the leadership of Dr. Roy Thompson. This was the first attempt to reach Roma by Baptist of any type anywhere in the world. God has blessed this ministry in many ways. Souls have been saved, Gypsies have come out of fortune telling and the more deceptive practices of business and now have a passion to reach others with the gospel. One of the greatest evidences of God's hand of blessing being upon this work is the precious missionary couple that God gave us to shepherd this ministry, Lawrence and Sally Evans. Sister Evans went home to be with her savior in 2016. But Brother Lawrence faithfully continues his God-called ministry to the Roma people without his precious Sally by his side. Brother Evans has been faithful to the Roma work in Cleveland since 1997 under the leadership of the current pastor, Pete Folger. Lawrence is also a full-blooded gypsy with a burning desire to fulfill his call to his own people. Lawrence's salvation testimony is one of great deliverance by the grace of God from the bondage of Roma carnality. Lawrence is our second generation gypsy preacher. He is one of only four full-blooded gypsy Baptist preachers in America. He is also a graduate of the Heritage Bible Institute and served with gypsy outreach for several years before taking the leadership position. He has made several trips into Eastern Europe in helping missionaries works among the gypsy people there. Lawrence's desire is to reach his people with the gospel by establishing new works to Roma wherever God opens the door and by helping others to do the same. He is a gifted preacher and lover of the word of God. Many Roma have been saved, baptized, and discipled under his teaching and preaching. He is currently reaching the Roma of Southwest Florida. Roma as they are known in English-speaking countries as the Gypsies, are one of the most mysterious, secretive, and misunderstood ethnic groups who have been scattered all over the world and in almost every country. According to National Geographic, the worldwide Gypsy population has been estimated at 40 million. The highest concentration of Roma would be found in the former communist countries of Eastern Europe, the United States government estimates their number at one million. Known by a variety of derogatory names in different countries of the world, such as the Tsigan, Zigoini, Giftos, and Hidamos, all meaning about the same thing, untouchable. These people have been history's most hated and persecuted ethnic group. Alongside Europe's Jews, 600,000 gypsies were slaughtered and eliminated by Nazi Germany. But the gypsies have survived, as survival is a part of their cultural makeup. But this survival has come at a very high price, the price of sin. As a direct result of ethnic hatred and persecution, they have resorted to stealing, fortune-telling, and begging for their survival. So much of what we hear about this secret race is negative. How can we reach a people with the gospel that we are not sure genuinely exist? Why would we? 
For the gypsy myth has been handed down from one generation to another, fueled by Hollywood's gypsy fortune teller of Wolfman movies, or as characters of fairy tales and nursery rhymes. A people kept secret and elusive by the enemy of their souls, Satan, who has held the Roma soul hostage for centuries. Now the Roma are a different kind of untouchable, untouched by the good news of Jesus Christ. But by the love and grace of God, this tragedy is changing for lost gypsy souls all over the world. Missionary Lawrence Evans is being used of God in a unique way to reach the Roma people for Christ. I have personally seen the fruit of his ministry, and our church has been blessed to pray for and financially support the church planning work that he's doing. I would wholeheartedly recommend you do the same. May God bless you. I'm asking from you. My name is Kevin Folger. I'm Pastor Emeritus of the Cleveland Baptist Church here in Cleveland, Ohio. And for a number of years, I was Lawrence Evans' pastor and sending pastor when he went to Florida to do the work with the Roma people. I want to take just a moment to say we would encourage you to give consideration to supporting Brother Lawrence and the work that he's doing with the Roma people. God's hand is upon his life. He's been faithful to serve the Lord in good times and bad times. And again, we think he's worthy of consideration and the support that perhaps you could give to him. Certainly would encourage that. I'm Pastor Pete. I am Lawrence's current pastor here at Cleveland Baptist Church. And of course, we're privileged uh, to be Lawrence's sending church and stand behind him uh, with prayer support as well as financial support uh, as he does the work that God's called him to do there in Southeast Florida. Uh, with even just recently a new ministry that they've launched in Central Florida in the Kissimmee area. And again, we're here to recommend him very highly uh, to your missionary program. God lays it on your heart to support him. I know that would mean a great deal to Brother Lawrence and to the Loma people there that he's working among. And so again, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to watch this video. And we trust again that it will lead to a partnership between your church and the ministry of Brother Lawrence Evans. So this is basically what you invested in. And once again, we thank you a thousand times over, uh, 10,000 times over for being part of it. Uh, we plan on continuing until the coming of Christ or if God takes my life. So I, I think you're stuck with me for a while. Amen. <laughs> so, but we appreciate you and hopefully come back tonight and you're going to see also uh, what you invested in back in 2017 in Romania once again with Sally's Kitchen, and I'll explain how that all came to, uh, to focus in uh, Romania with that new feeding center and new church also. Thank you, Pastor.
trust Him seems the hardest thing of all. I can trust my Savior Jesus. Trust
I would like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. That's towards the back of your Old Testament. Book of Habakkuk. I'm going to take you to chapter 2, verse 4. Title of the message this morning is really posed to you more as a question. And it is simply, who do you admire? This morning we did this baby dedication. And I love baby dedications, as I already mentioned. Look at those cute little kids, those young couples. It's just, it's just lifts my heart, lifts my soul. But those little babies, Forrest and James, they're going to come into all these years of life. And their moms and dads are going to set a pattern for them. And then as they get older, they're going to choose their own way. And a, a big part of who we become is who we admire, who we want to be like, who we want to shape ourselves after. Here in the last couple of weeks, if you watch the news at all, a guy's name keeps popping up on the news by the name of Johnny Depp. Any of you guys heard of Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp is an actor, and uh, him and his wife, I. If I, I'm not fully up on the whole thing other than the clips I get from the news, but my understanding is they're getting a divorce. And because Johnny Depp is such a famous actor, uh, every little tidbit of his life is being broadcast for the whole, all the world to see. Now, for you that love Johnny Depp and admire Johnny Depp, I hate to tell you, but sadly, you're finding out some very not good things about his life. He is certainly not who I hope Forrest or James decide to be. And there are so many people that our society, our culture exalts, lifts up, points to, admires, pays a fortune to, who really are not all that good of people. But we are not, we're not unusual in the generations of humanity. If you go back to the time of Christ and you look at who they exalted, they exalted people like the Caesars. Well, I hate to tell you, the Caesars did not live the kind of life that I would want for either Forrest or James. They would exalt the generals of their Roman armies. They would be celebrated they were exalted among the people. I would desire not to see James or Forrest become even as a Roman general. They also exalted even some of the lower. You would, you would not think so because Rome was really built around a class system. 
was not divided racially. It was divided socioeconomically. And surprisingly, there were slaves that were exalted, but those slaves had to survive the gauntlet of the Colosseums. If they were gladiators who could, who could kill and slash and succeed and come, come through it alive, they were exalted as heroes in their culture and in their world, even though they were the poorest of the poor. It's interesting the way that cultures look to people and decide who they're going to exalt, admire, emulate. But I want to take you to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Very short verse. Listen to what it says. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. This is a, a pointed statement that God is making through the prophet Habakkuk. Because within their culture, within their society, much like our culture, our society, they've got their eyes on everything but faith and righteousness. They're looking to power. They're looking to wealth. And they have forgot about their God. So he starts out in verse 4 here with a simple word. He says, behold. And that, that is my very first point. We just start with that one word, behold. And that's because every generation, he wants them to step back and look. Look at what we're doing. Look at, look at what we have made of ourselves. We look at these little babies, Forrest and James. And any sound person looks and says, we want them to live a healthy life, don't we? Don't we? I was hoping so. We do. We want them to live a healthy life. So tell me, would a healthy life be a drunken life? No. Would a, would a healthy life be an immoral life? No. Well, how about... How about would a drunken life be a drug-ridden life? No. You guys are a little slow with me this morning. I'm, I'm worried that maybe I'm off track here. Because I'm thinking we should not see those things in their lives. Yet, when we look at our culture and our society and our world, if we stop and behold who it is that we exalt, oftentimes it is those who are not living a life that is healthy, spiritually, morally, physically. You and I are called to watch and to be sober. I want you to look with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. As we come to this text, we understand that every generation is called to do this evaluation, to do this behold, this look, Listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 6 down through 8. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He's not talking about alcohol. He's talking about seriousness. He's saying, let us watch, let us behold, and let's be serious. 
For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So God gives a contrast. He says, you and I, you and I that are the people of the day. You and I that are not trying to hide our lives, but live our lives in a wholesome, healthy, godly way. He says, look, take a moment and behold and ask yourself, am I living a life? Am I living a life that would honor God? Am I living a life that I have to hide? Or am I living a life that could be admired, lifted up? That could be emulated. That we could say, yes, James. Matthew and Anna, your mom and dad, they have a circle of friends who are healthy, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Because they want to live a life of faith. They don't have to hide their lives. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 in your New Testament. Look with me down at verses 7 through 9. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch, behold, unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And every man hath received gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So over and over again we see in these verses this reference for you and I to behold, to look, to watch. And for us to take our lives and live a life that is of the day, that is healthy and good and right. Not right in our eyes, but righteous in the eyes of God. Go back with me at Habakkuk and look with me at chapter 2 verse 4. He not only tells us to take a moment and look, reflect, behold. But he says in verse 4, the second thing he says is, His soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. His soul that is lifted up, that is exalted, he that is, is glorified. He says that individual, if you look around at the time of Habakkuk, in that culture, in that society, he says, these people are not upright. This is not a hard thing for us to see in our culture, in our society, is it? We look at world leaders, sports figures, cartoon characters, entertainers, and sadly, even religious leaders. And we see people or characters or things that are exalted and elevated that are debased in all their morality and their lifestyle. We may toss millions at them, but they have total disregard for the effect they have on your children, your little forests, your little Jameses, 
You're little Theos. That's another little baby we have in the church. You and I, if we're not careful, we forget that those that we bring into our circle, those that we begin to exalt and elevate, they are the pattern that is set for the next generation. And he warns us. He says, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. We've got to be careful. We should be wise. Sadly, we live in a generation who oftentimes is not wise. Sandra Joe and I were, we were watching TV the other evening. And a commercial came on TV and I looked at Sandra Joe and I said, wow. No wonder why my daughter will not let her kids watch regular TV. The commercial was, I could not believe the commercial. And we both just shook our head. How far we have come in just the little short life I have lived. But the reality is, we bring into our homes things that not that many years ago, we didn't even talk about. And this is what our little babies are growing up with. So here we find that he is warning. He's warning the nation of Israel and every generation after that. For us to be a people that recognize that there are deeper and more meaningful things than just fame, adulation, wealth. He says, look, look at the character, the person. The other day I was reading an article about Jimmy Carter. And whether you thought he was a great president or a horrible president is irrelevant to my point. But I was reading an article about him and Rosalind today. They're in their 90s. And do you know they still live in the two-bedroom ranch house they built in the 1960s? Now I'm serious about this because when I read it I thought, come on. No, they absolutely still live in the simple two-bedroom ranch house they built in the 60s. In fact, the article went on to say that the secret service vehicle that sits in the driveway is worth more than the house. <laughs> so they interviewed Jimmy Carter. And they asked him, why do you live so simply? He said, in my entire life, I really never desired to be rich. He said, it's just not who I am. Sunday school teacher. He loves the Lord. Should he have been a politician? Who knows? My understanding, he was a pretty successful peanut farmer. Maybe he should have stayed there. I don't know. <laughs> but the reality is, this is a guy who looked at his life and he said, do I want to be like so many other presidents who just clamor after living like a Hollywood star? And he said, no. And him and Rosalind, they make their own yogurt at home in their 90s. Live in their simple little ranch house that they built in the 1960s. And they both say they're very happy. You see, all of a sudden, their character shaped who they are 
and they are content. Boy, we have a world that has lost the sight of being content, haven't we? And here we look in this text. He says, those who are exalted in the time of Habakkuk, he says, they are not upright in themselves. They are not well. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ is the example. He is the one we should emulate after. He didn't come to this world to be exalted. He came to die on the cross for you and me. He came to minister rather than being ministered unto. Isn't that amazing? God in the flesh chose to care about others more than himself. Now that's somebody that I would love to see Forrest and James and Theo and all the other little boys and girls that come through our church doors. They are the ones I would love to see follow the way of Jesus Christ. So we look here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, and he says, take a moment and behold, look. Do you not understand that those are lifted up? Those who are exalted? Those who are so famous? Those who everybody wants to be like? He says, inside? They're just not upright. Then the last part as he comes down, listen again to the verse. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live. By his faith. The just shall live by his faith. You and I, as we look to that little phrase, I want you to understand that it is only used four times in the entire Bible. The just shall live by their faith. Only four times. Once here in Habakkuk. Once in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, which is quoting Habakkuk. And in that quote, he says, the righteousness of God is revealed in those who live by their faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 is another one. It says that that phrase reveals the weakness of the law because it shows us the power of God's grace. The just shall live by faith. Not the law, but by faith. So many people think, well, if I can just live the Ten Commandments, you can't. If you go to the Ten Commandments and you look at them, what the Ten Commandments do is reveal our guilt. They show us that within our hearts creeps in the sin of man. And they make us guilty before God. It drives us to our knees that we might become those who live by faith. For we tell the Lord, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Save my soul. That I might be just living by faith. As we come down, the last one is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And it tells us, that the just shall live by his faith, and that is the evidence of a true believer. So when we look at Habakkuk chapter 2, and we look at that verse 
4. It forces us to step back and look. Behold, who are we patterning our lives after? Who do you want to be like? Maybe we need to step back and look to Jesus. And to be that just person through the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who simply lives by faith. We really don't need a mansion because we already have one being made for us. God is going ahead and he's preparing a place for us. He said, if it were not so, I would tell you. But he says, I will come and bring you unto myself. So if you're investing your whole life into building yourself a mansion, it's pretty, it's pretty futile effort because I'm almost guaranteeing you that if you invest everything you have here on a mansion, you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven and find out what a mansion really is. When all of a sudden you're in glory and you find a heavenly home that Jesus made for you. Better to find contentment. That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I have found to be content in whatsoever state I am. That doesn't mean you don't work and strive to do better. You should. But if that's what all your life is about, if everything is a sham, if you're hiding everything because really your heart is not right, you're wasting your life. We should be that person who simply is the just, living by faith, walking with our Lord, living a life that could be emulated by the Jameses, by the Forrests, by the Theos, by the Emilys sitting here beside her mom, by you know, the, the, the list goes on. All our kids are down in junior church, so it, it gives me a limited list. But you and I this morning, I want you to really think about as a church. We dedicated these little babies, and through the years we dedicate babies to the Lord. But it is also a church commitment for you to pray for, for you to help, nurture, care for, for you to be an example to. If those little kids see you on Main Street in the big city of Virgins, what kind of person do they see? Is it the same person who comes on Sunday morning? If they see you on a Friday night in the bigger city of Burlington, are they going to see the same person they see here on Sunday? There on Friday night. Who are our church children looking to? Who are you elevating? Is it Jesus? We as a church, these children, the next generation, they need us to do just what the prophet Habakkuk said. Take a moment and look. Examine ourselves. And make a choice, for the just shall live by faith. Let's bow our heads as we come to the end of our message. Father in heaven, I pray that you be with us as we go forth. 
I do pray that as a church, you would help us as a body of believers to commit to be that righteous person that both Forrest and James can look to. That all the other little boys and girls in our church can follow after. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that they could follow as we follow Jesus. We pray for your guidance, your power, your enabling. In Christ's name. But before I close, Lord, I pray for patience, Thompson. Lord, as she's still in the hospital in Burlington, I pray, Lord, that you would be with her and her family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. And I'll tell the world. I'll tell the world. Jesus lifted me. I'll tell the world. Jesus lifted me. I'll tell the world. Jesus lifted me. Singing glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.